Welcome to Transformative Talk, Critical Conversations for Teachers. I'm Dr. Zid Haddad, a professor of instruction within the Department of Interdisciplinary Learning and Teaching at the University of Texas at San Antonio. I teach undergraduate and graduate courses in curriculum and instruction. In short, I teach teachers how to teach and save lives through the use of critical multicultural education as an approach to teaching and learning. Our podcast is produced by a different group of graduate students each week, giving them an opportunity to talk about what they're reading in my class, what they experience in the field, and how that impacts their own lives and understandings. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast from wherever you're listening. Also, you can ask us questions and engage with us further using the Anchor.fm website or the Anchor.fm app on your phone. You can submit questions and you can also send us voice messages. And remember, please share our podcast on all your socials so that we can build our audience. Thanks for listening, and here's today's episode. Hello, this is Eric Arguello, your co-host for today, and you will hear from my other co-host in Act 2, Nicola, in just a little bit. In this episode of Transformative Talk, we are going to be talking about multiculturalism and vulnerability in the classroom. In Act 1, I'm going to be discussing multiculturalism and the differences between critical and liberal multiculturalism in regards to our reading. Before I even got started with the reading, I kind of looked at the topic and the subheadings, and I obviously, like most people, were familiar with multiculturalism, but I was not, however, familiar with the differences between liberal and critical. Um, Right off the bat, when you think of liberal, I guess it depends on who you're talking to, but um, in my mind, liberal kind of means um, free or progressive or um, ever-changing, but in this case, it actually comes across pretty negative and um, not what you think. And so I kind of looked at the readings and what they said the difference was between the two. And then I'm going to be talking about what our classmates have talked about between the two. And so um, according to the reading, multiculturalism started off as something that was positive. It was They meant well, they wanted to improve and add this to the classroom, Um, but they talked about it slowly turning into something that wasn't celebrated, but it was something that was feared. And so in the reading, they talked about um, as a result of such visceral critiques of multiculturalism and their prominence in political and media commentary, wider multicultural policies and practices that seemed well accepted have simply unraveled. And um, they mentioned briefly kind of the reasoning why it was feared. Um, They talked about 9-11 a little bit and just kind of demonizing certain groups after that event. Um, They go on to talk about what liberal multiculturalism was, and um, according to the reading, they talked about a scenario that I think was pretty interesting. They talked about um, there was a classroom, and it had a Mexican immigrant parent that was, had certain concerns about the teacher and them having 
very low expectations for the Mexican students and their learning in the school. And they also talked about the school's lack or inability to communicate with Spanish-speaking parents. And so it was brought to this administrator's attention, and it was a white administrator. And they just, it was very interesting. They talked about the differences between the kind of perspectives of what the parent was concerned about and then what the administrator was concerned about. They talked about um, the white administrator believed that the main problem was the students calling each other derogatory names and that it was, they wanted to develop more of a relationship and different activities, which is what I feel like people jumped to. Um, but they talked about the parent was concerned about the teacher's racial prejudice while the administrator was concerned about the prejudice he believes students brought from home. So it's kind of like no accountability that there is no acknowledgement of the inequalities. Um, they talked about liberal multicultural education it may be easy to implement, but this is only so because it abdicates by corresponding recognition of unequal and often untidy power relations that underpin inequality and limit cultural interaction, however well-meaning. So this kind of goes to show never progressed past the, that point. So it's just something that they're able to say, okay, we we included, we were inclusive, we talked about Black History Month, or we talked about Cinco de Mayo, and we made tacos. But in reality, that's not recognizing the inequalities and the, the relations between um, the people who are in power and those who aren't. Um, and so throughout the reading, they just talked about the differences between the two. Um, and so on page 10, they talk about what critical multiculturalism is and kind of their opinion on why it is useful to, to take that and move forward with it. Um, I liked how they recognized that it's not perfect, but it is a way to move forward. Um, they said that as with anti-racist education and critical race theory, rather than prioritizing cultural or culture, critical multiculturalism gives priority to structural analysis of unequal power relationships, analyzing the role of institutionalized inequalities, including but not necessarily limited to racism. And so that's just kind of a brief background of the reading and the knowledge that I got from it. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the different facilitation activities that we did. So the first one that I'm going to be talking about is I had them create a Padlet, but I also had them answer a question, and the question was to describe the differences between liberal and critical multiculturalism. And then um, I got some very interesting answers that I wanted to share. Um, first off, Estelle talked about um, a perfect example, I think, is how liberal multiculturalism is kind of a watered down way to, quote, celebrate cultures, but like the reading, it kind of just perpetuates stereotypes and misinformation. Um, like the video that I linked 
in this facilitation, it just, I remember it talked about um, celebrating different days of the year or Cinco de Mayo and having tacos or having fried chicken for Black History Month or Martin Luther King Day, um, but only it just perpetuates those stereotypes. She talked about critical being um, looking at multiple perspectives of race, and I think that's a big one, is the perspective, the perspective of, um, I think Ian talked about it, um, a liberal talks about or assumes that everyone has equal opportunities, equal chances at succeeding, equal chances at everything, and it proposes that there is no power struggle, which there is. Um, it's often that liberal multiculturalism is coming of a coming from a place of uh, privilege, whereas um, critical is is seeing the different perspectives. Um, Tracy talked about liberal being not concerned with class or race as much as it is with the white male dominant view, which is kind of the theme going on throughout. Um, Amanda said that it is a scam. It kind of is really though. It's just a way to just check off that box. Okay, we were able to include some sort of a little, even if it was just a little taste, we included um, something that had to do with celebrating a different culture or a day of the month or a month. Um, I also had them do a Padlet and on the Padlet, it just, I just had them talk about different examples of liberal multiculturalism that they have seen in their school, in their district, or even in the government. And there was a lot of different important examples that they brought to light. Um, I liked um, Kristen talked about celebrating Black voices during Black History Month, but then completely silent about actual Black social movements that are happening the rest of the year. Um, so again, just kind of checking off that box. Um, Miles talked about um, days that have some kind of historical or cultural significance and allowing them to celebrate or dress up for that day. And that was kind of the theme going out, just celebrating those certain times of year, those days. Um, but not thinking about it critically or teaching the students why you're celebrating them. Um, some of them talked about in their district, Kristen talked about um, shallow emails that are sent to the staff members regarding diversity and um, how it is appreciated or celebrated when something is happening in the news, but otherwise silent regarding oppression practices. Miles talks about the tuition-free charter schools in undeserved communities. And some of the things that I found interesting in the last section, which was examples of liberal multiculturalism in our government and um, 
Bibiana talked about the freedom or the right of freedom of speech and that's a right however it is frowned upon when it's talking about issues of race sexuality or oppression um i thought it was interesting what miles said he talked about the bill of rights um as an example because he believes it's designed to give rights to those in power the white male landowners that have been successful at keeping the rights of white people protected at the expense of everyone else. And lastly, um, Kristen again talks about Black History Month. It is an attempt to talk about and celebrate Black voices, but it's not enough. And that is kind of a theme going out. It is, it was seen kind of as you're meaning well, but it's not enough. You can't just mention something, you have to actually have to think critically or examine it like critical multiculturalism. So this is the end of act one and you are going to be hearing from my co-host Nicola about act two and she's going to be talking about another reading that we had um, about vulnerability in the classroom and we will be right back after this commercial break. Welcome back from break and welcome back to this week's transformative talk. I'm Nicola and you just heard from my co-host Erica on the topic of liberal multiculturalism and critical multiculturalism and their differences. So let's talk about my perspective of our next topic. But before we do that, I'm going to introduce myself a little bit about myself. I, as I said, my name is Nicola, and I have been in education now for about seven years. Um, before that, I was in the military. Um, I am a retired logistics officer from the Army. And uh, after I retired, I decided to get into teaching, and I got certified to teach ESL at UTSA. And now I am... Um, back in school, finishing up my second master's degree, and this time it's gonna be in curriculum and instruction. So let's get back to our topic at hand. Um, I'm going to be talking to you about some comments from various peers about vulnerability in the classroom and some different ways to foster trust and build a safe place for students to share their views on culture, race, and ethnicity. We'll end the show with a few fun quiz questions about multiculturalism and some common terms that we hear about, but usually don't really define when it comes to their meanings. So first up, let's talk about vulnerability in the classroom as a teacher. So uh, as of right now, I am instructing at the Defense Language Institute, um, known as DLI within the local area of San Antonio. And I teach ESL students that are adults and are in the military and are training to learn English as a language for when they go back to their country and they have to uh, work with other security forces that speak English. 
So I've had quite a few experiences with uh, foster building um, trust in the classroom and creating safe places in the classroom. And I think the topic of vulnerability is very important to talk about, especially uh, now as we seem to be coming in more into the, I'd say, uh, more comfortable space of being able to talk about race and culture and ethnicity and what it means to young people in the classroom. Um, So as a class, we read an article called Discussing Race and Culture in the Middle School Classroom, Scaffolding Critical Multiculturalism. And this article was written by Jill Flynn back in 2010. The article um, talked about a particular middle school teacher and some of the ways that he created trust and a feeling of trust within his class and how he was able to create a safe space to discuss topics of race, culture, and ethnicity, which I think is very important for all teachers um, to create that safe space within their classroom. So one simple way that this teacher created that safe space was by showing some vulnerability in the classroom to his students by revealing his personal feelings and struggles concerning certain sensitive topics and challenges so that he could create a sense of realism about himself and to show that teachers have personal feelings and challenges too and are not the perfect be all, know all, as some educational systems want you to believe. So let's jump in and analyze some of my peers' answers to a question that was asked during a teaching facilitation about this article. So here's the question. Let's talk about it. Do you believe it's important to show vulnerability as a teacher with your students? Why or why not? Let's go ahead and see... uh, some of the answers from my peers. Uh, Tracy, Tracy said, yes, teachers need to be vulnerable because you are asking students to trust you, to believe the things you say, which is why multiculturalism is so important to students' interest and building that vulnerability is very important too. Uh, Amanda, Amanda talked about vulnerability, saying teachers must set the example for their students and show them their vulnerability. She mentions that it's critical not only in building relationships, but also showing students that they themselves have a safe space to also be vulnerable like their teacher. And with this, they can have discussions as a whole class, small group, or even one-on-one with students where They can share personal experiences with these issues or even prejudices you realized you didn't realize that you had that that you had to overcome, as she said. And she mentioned that uh, Dr. Haddad uh, does an excellent job of modeling this for us. And I would have to agree with you, Amanda. Now, on to my next peer. Her name is Megan. And Megan said, yes, yes, yes. When students know they are human, meaning the teachers, the relationships that are created will be beautiful and meaningful. We need to show the students that being vulnerable is perfectly safe and normal to do. Let's look at another comment. This comment came from uh, Kristen. And Kristen was talking about vulnerability and the impact that it can have. So 
she mentions that vulnerability as a teacher can make a great impact on students because this shows teachers are imperfect. And the case is so often that teachers are white and students may begin to believe that their teachers have all the knowledge and authority. But students can begin to question this hidden hierarchy when teachers show they are not omniscient. Wow, that is some powerful words from Kristen. And that's some higher level thinking there. Has me wondering and questioning too about hmm, different ways that we could do that in the classroom uh, showing vulnerability. Now she mentioned something about how teachers are often white. I think that's something that needs to be explored further. And I would love to talk to Kristen about her feelings concerning why she thinks most teachers are thought of as white versus any other race. Something to think about. All right, let's hear from Jonathan. Jonathan mentioned in his uh, discussion that the teacher does have an important role in showing vulnerability to students. By the teacher participating and showing seriousness in activities, it will model the type of behaviors for their students to follow. The students should lead the discussion with the help of the teacher at all times. So he's basically saying that a teacher needs to be more of a coach or there to provide guidance and not so much as the one that is the center of attention, but more as the one that is giving guidance and helping the students, making it student-centered so the students feel welcoming to each other and that they know if needed, they have a guiding a friendly hand from the teacher to help out. Okay, so I, I would want to thank uh, my different peers for chiming in on what they thought about what is vulnerability and what it is in the classroom. And from there, I wonder, how do some of these teachers create these safe spaces? What do they do besides vulnerability? Let's go ahead and take a look at some of the comments concerning this. Well, one comment was by Estelle, and she said that she likes to tell stories about her own uh, struggles and challenges and triumphs so that the students get to see that she's just as human as they are and that she makes mistakes and has challenges just like they do so that they can see that she's not a, a robot that she has a life of her own and that she has feelings. And so that that helps build that trust and that bond to where the students are able to open up and have conversations that maybe they wouldn't normally have with other teachers that didn't take the step to show all sides and not just one side of themselves. So thanks, Estelle. I appreciate that comment. Let's see, let's see what Tracy had to say. Tracy said that she feels a project-based learning activity will help all students feel connected by having them walk a mile in each other's shoes, show them how they need each other by working with bilingual communities only in Spanish, and submersible learning goes both ways. So she's saying that she believes teachers should have project-based activities where they get to go into different communities that are um, 
not of their background or ethnicity or culture, where they get to be immersed in a different culture and learn about a different culture through that, through the other culture's perspective. I think that's a great idea. Um, I, I think that that was, that's something that would open the eyes of many young students and kind of get them to see things that they normally wouldn't even think about. So from here, I would like to share with you some thoughts when it comes to uh, this pandemic that we had. And one of the teachers, Bibiana, said what she did with her students due to COVID-19 was she had them create a digital locker where they had to incorporate certain elements and they could personalize it to their liking. She said she was able to learn more about their favorite foods and favorite artists and what their favorite color was, and that she was able to observe what they considered important, why they thought education was important, and a little bit about their cultural backgrounds. Wow, that's an awesome idea. That's something that I hadn't thought of and that maybe in the future I could use because even though she teaches uh, younger students and I teach adults, that digital locker could be applied to any grade level. So that's awesome. Thanks, Bibiana, for sharing that with all of us. Okay, let's get to a segment where we are going to have a little fun with some quiz questions. Have any of you guys out there heard of quizzes? Quizzes. Yes, not Quizlet, but quizzes. That is Q-U-I-Z-Z-I-Z. Yeah, that's a new website that I hadn't heard of before and that I was introduced to by some of my students from class. And this website, or I should say this application, is very cool. The reason it's so cool is it's like the application Cahoots. I know most of you out there have heard of Cahoots. But see, with Cahoots, Cahoots can be very competitive, so much so that the students, instead of just learning about the grammar point or whatever different uh, quiz question that you have, um, they become very competitive to where they want to just push the button fast enough to see who could get the fastest time. And learning what they're racing against is not important. It's just that they can get the fastest time. So quizzes is like cahoots, but instead of you competing with the whole class, you compete with yourselves. And then when you're done competing with yourself, at the very end, it shows the scoreboard of where you scored amongst your peers. So it kind of takes away that immediate competitive feeling and puts you back into the classroom to where you're learning and having fun. So let's go ahead and check out some of these questions from quizzes. And these questions are going to be about uh, race, culture, and ethnicities. Let's see if we can figure out how smart we are when it comes to these terms. Here we go. Okay, so I'm going to play as myself, and I'm going to start the game. First question. Members of an ethnic group must practice all the beliefs of the group. Is that true or false? 
Hmm, I'm thinking that is false. Ooh, all right. I am on track. Okay. Question, which of the following is not true about culture? Option one, culture is learned. Option two, culture is social in nature. Option three, culture is shared. Option four, culture never changes. Hmm, I'm going to say option four. I was right. Culture never changes. That is not true. Some historical researchers claim that African-American vernacular is an entirely separate Creole language that evolved from contact between English and several West African languages. Option Hmm. one, false. Option two, true. So what do you think? Huh, I believe that is true. Ooh-wee, I'm on a hot streak. Yes. Okay. Question. Race is learned. Race is learned. Option two. False. Hmm. I'm going to say race is learned is false. Woohoo! I am hot right now. All African Americans are good at sports is an example of a... Option 1. Active racism. Option 2. A stereotype. Option 3. Discrimination. Option 4. Reverse discrimination. For this answer, I'm going to say a stereotype. Correct. Ooh, it's giving me the option to power up. Huh. It says that I can use my immunity to pause the clock. United States, which of the following is shared by all Americans? Option one, race. Option two, nationality. Option three, language. Option four, ethnicity. Option five, religion. Um, let's see, shared by all Americans? That's gotta be nationality. Yep, I was right. Question to people sharing certain biologically inherited physical characteristics that are considered important within a society. Option 1. Race. Option 2. Ethnic group. Option 3. Stereotype. Option 4. Minority group. Hmm. Refers to people sharing certain biological inherited physical characteristics. I'm going to say race? Yes! And I was right. Awesome. Question. Cultural assimilation means absorption of a culturally distinct group into a dominant or prevailing culture. Option one, false. Option two, true. So what do you think, audience? False or true? Cultural assimilation means absorption of a cultural distinct group into a dominant or prevailing culture. I think that's true. Yes! We're on a hot streak. Question. Widely held negative attitudes towards a group and its individual members is. Option one, racism. Option two, stereotype. Option three, discrimination. Option four, prejudice. Ooh, this one's tough. Let's see. Negative attitudes towards a group and individual. I'm going to say prejudice. Yes! Woohoo! 
Nine in a row. An atheist is described as mm. Option one, a person who doesn't believe that a god or gods exist. Option two, a person with no religion. Option three, a person that practices several religions. Option four, all of the above. Huh. I'm going to go with option one. A person who doesn't believe that God or gods exist. Woohoo! I got it again. Awesome. Okay. Let's see. We're going to go ahead and end the quiz because we're just about out of time. But I hope you enjoyed that quiz about race, culture, and ethnicity. I think it was very educational. And... It was fun too. So like I said, this was quizzes. That's Q-U-I-Z-Z-I-Z. And I think this is a great tool to use in class with adults or with young people. So let's get back to uh, our transformative talk. We're getting ready to wrap it up. And um, before we wrap it up, I'm wondering if there's any uh, questions out there from the audience at this time. I guess not, but maybe we can catch up with each other another time. So if you want to learn more about this topic, refer to the awesome book Beyond Critique by Bradley Levinson. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share, subscribe, and leave a review along with how you discovered our show. That's all for now, but we'll see you on the next episode of Transformative Talk. Bye!